What is going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Boom Boom Performance Podcast. Today's podcast is an Instagram Q&A. If you are not following me yet, go check me out at cody.boomboom on Instagram. If you're listening to this right now and you enjoy the Q&As, please take a screenshot of the show, post it on your Instagram story, and tag me at cody.boomboom. I want to hear from you. I want to know who's listening, and I want to have a conversation with you so I can hear what you want to hear next, who you want to hear next, and how I can help you to improve this show and get you better results. This podcast is sponsored by The Elite, which is my membership site. Guys, the membership site is the number one inner circle-based training membership site that is not only going to provide you programs that increase and improve your results, but it's actually going to educate you on why you're doing what you're doing and how to set up your own training programs so that you can carry this knowledge and you can see results for the next five years instead of the next five months. These are principles that are never going to leave the training space, and I want to teach you these things while eliminating boredom and eliminating training ADHD, which is basically program hopping. You're jumping from one program to the next, one coach to the next, wasting money, spending money, not seeing results, and always getting bored. Well, the reality is I wanted to cure that by putting all of the training programs I designed inside of this membership site so you can program hop. But instead of not getting results and wasting money, you're saving money and you're actually learning the process of why each program works the way it does. So guys, if you want a chance to jump in the Boom Boom Elite, drop down in the description, click the link in the description, go join right now or go to boomboomperformance.com slash elite. Now without any further ado, let's jump into this Q&A. All right, so our first question comes from Barra Jason on Instagram. Big picture, water intake, macros and micros are key. What else is there to track? So I think this just goes back to the thing. I mean, I've talked about this a million times, uh, biofeedback. You know, if you look at, I mean, shit, we just had Stan Efforting on. He's not somebody that talks about biofeedback at all. You know, there's a lot of people now talking about it because um, I would say there's a handful of coaches in the industry that kind of popularized the term. Um, But even great coaches who don't call it that, track these different things and Stan talked about it he was like you know when my clients report back to me other than just looking at a weight I'm looking at your stress your sleep your energy your digestion things like that so I think you know there's a lot to track I think the most important things because if you look at like what you said water intake macros and micros those are objective things those are those are numbers. Those are metrics that you actually intake and you track, right? Are you intaking enough water? Are you intaking enough macros? Are you looking at the micronutrients you're intaking? Um, I would add to that from a metric standpoint, progressions in the gym. You know, I have all my clients track their weights every single week. So when they work with me on a training program, they're getting a Google sheet that actually has progressions built in. They have slots to fill in. Like we're going to track week to week. Are you making progressions? Did you add weight to the bar? No. Did you add a rep? Did you add a set? Did you slow down the rest period? Did you add a pause? Did you add a negative? What did you do to improve each week in the gym? So I think that would be the fourth thing in your list, water intake, macros, micros, progressions in the gym. Uh, But then we could add, you know, it, it really depends on your goal. Are we looking to lose fat? Well, maybe we should be tracking our knee as well. How many steps are you getting in a day? Are you doing like the stand efforting style, three, 10 minute walks per day? Can you do that? Are you tracking that? Really, anything that you need accountability for, anything that you need to make sure you're progressing with, you need to be tracking. Now, from a – it's I wouldn't say uncorrelated. It's definitely correlated. But from a uh, biofeedback standpoint, what those metrics that we just talked about are leading to are just really more things that we need to track, right? So are you tracking – your sleep? Are you tracking your stress, which you can rank on a scale of one to five? So like hours of sleep per night on a scale of one to five, how has your stress been? And are you seeing a decline in that, right? So if your stress was at a five when you started the program, because you are a high stress individual, you have a high stress lifestyle, is that going down? Is it now a four or a three or a two or even a one? Are you having cravings on a scale of one to five? How bad are those cravings? Are they improving over time? Are you, do you have high hunger, moderate hunger, or low hunger? That's another thing you can track. 
Uh, motivation. I think this is something very underrated that nobody tracks. These are all things, by the way, that I, I work on with my clients and I track with my clients because if I see issues with these things, then I'm going to dive in and I'm going to make sure that we navigate properly. We're going to adjust properly and we're going to tweak whatever we need to make sure that these numbers are getting better, whether that means getting them higher or lower. We want to get that scale better, that biofeedback scale. Um, but motivation is another really good one. Motivation would be how motivated are you to get into the gym? Right. Like I think that's a very underrated one because what they have found in studies is that when you're starting to get burnt out neurologically. So when you need a deload, for example, or you need a diet break inside of your training or inside of your nutrition, like you've basically just been going at it for too long. Um, I think most people listen to this know what a deload is where you just kind of cut things down. I think most people know what a diet break is, which is basically just when you bring your calories back up to maintenance for a, a an extended period of time, usually like seven to 14 days, but it could even be three or four days. It's, it's a basically an extended multi-day refeed to make sure that you're repairing your nervous system, repairing your hormonal system. Um, one of the things that they notice when this is paramount, like when people need this, they notice that motivation tank. So one of the first telltale signs that you need a deload or you need um, a diet break is actually that you're losing motivation to get in the gym. So this is something I track as well um, a lot. Digestion. Is your digestion okay? We can track that on a scale of one to five. We can track that on a scale of yes, normal, great. Like are you regular? A lot of people don't track that, but that's something important to track for a lot of people. Sex drive. If you are coming out of a reverse diet, if you're coming out of a hormonal uh, issue, you should probably track sex drive because male or female, that should be high. That's a regular human process for your sex drive to be high um, or at least normal, right? You should desire that. Uh, and if you don't, then we might be running into some hormonal downregulation. So there's, these are all things that you can be tracking. I think the thing with this is, okay, big picture – we need to track what's what you can adhere to. So for some people, this means once a week track this. Maybe down the road, you're only tracking it once a month. Every month, you're doing a big review. Maybe even go get blood tested. Maybe every month, you do a blood test and then, or you just do the biofeedback on a, on a big scale. You know, I'm going to look over how I feel right now and I'm going to use that as a reflection of how I felt for this last month because I haven't changed a bunch of variables. If your diet, your sleep, your stress, and your training levels have been pretty consistent throughout the month, maybe at the end of each month you reflect and you look at how is my hunger, my cravings, my sex drive, my training, my, my fatigue, my recovery, my sleep, my energy, uh, my motivation, all these things over the course of the month. If you notice things are pretty low, then you know you got to adjust. For some people, tracking this every week, which is what I suggest is even more ideal and for some of my clients we track it every single day if you're willing to track some numbers let's say like I don't pick all of them of them, of them so on a weekly basis most of my clients track a handful of the daily basis because if we can wake up we can look at our macros look at our weight look at our stress sleep motivation and fatigue level and maybe hunger we're going to be able to navigate so much better. But for each client, this is going to be individual. So does this person need to look at sex drive daily? Does this person need to look at digestion daily? Does this person only need to focus on sleep and fatigue daily because that's what we're focused on? And we don't want to put too many things out there and, and overwhelm them. So it really depends. Um, I think big picture, you need to track what you want to change, right? Change precedes awareness. And if you're not aware or you don't understand how to change yourself to get you to where you want to be, then you need to stop, you need to look at what you need to track, and you need to start tracking those things. Next question comes from Ken, oh, I'm going to butcher this one, Ken Camacho Training. Ken Camacho Training, hey Cody, what book changed the way you look at life? And these are all from Instagram, guys. The whole entire Q&A today is based on Instagram questions. So if you're not following me, there's a hair on my phone. <laughs> I for, you blow the hair away and you forget that there's a mic in front of your mouth. Sorry, guys. Um, if you guys want to get your questions answered, there's obviously a link in the description that says Ask Boom Boom. One thing to note that I just realized uh, on Tuesday when I was putting up or when I went to review uh, Stan Efferding's, like, the, the show notes, I was looking for a link, and I realized that the hyperlink hasn't been working. So I keep saying, hey, click this button, ask me a question, and it wasn't working. So starting – Today on this podcast, I fixed the link so you guys can click that in the description. It just says Ask Boom Boom. Um, I'm going to post the link right below it as well so you can just click that. But basically, you go to boomboomperformance.com slash podcast. If you're on mobile, you got to scroll to the bottom. If you're on a desktop, it's on the left sidebar. Um, and you can ask me any question. Put your name answer the, uh, and then the question in the description and just submit it to me and it will come right to my email. Or you can follow me on Instagram at Cody Boom Boom and you can answer these questions or ask me questions via DM. 
Hey, Cody. What book changed the way you look at life? So it's funny because I've been getting a lot of questions on books lately. It's super – it's ironic. Um, I don't know why, but on Instagram, on Facebook, random people text me. Somebody heard me. Um, Robert, if you're listening to this, shout out to Robert. He is a old-time client, great friend. He uh, – which I need to text you back. Sorry, brother. <laughs> I'm, I've been bad about that shit, man. He uh, So he listened to my episode on the Dad Ed podcast. Edge podcast, which I'll link in the show notes, guys. If you haven't listened to that, highly suggested. Um, I'm pretty open and transparent about my story, um, the way I look at fatherhood, what I've learned from my dad growing up, um, him being a busy, not entrepreneur, but he ran a company. Um, just a lot of different outlooks on life, on being healthy, on being a father, on building a business. It's a really cool podcast. I was really excited to be on that because that guy is. He's crushing it in the podcast space. I believe he's the number one ranked dad podcast with hundreds of thousands of downloads per per month. So he's crushing it on there, and it was an honor to be on his show. Go check that out, guys. He asked me what book uh, I re- I re- I've been reading. Uh, the guy heard me on his podcast and texted me. He was asking me what book I've been reading or what books I would suggest. I was just featured on another podcast, um, which I'll be linking soon. Uh, I think it launches next month. And he asked me my top three books. So everybody wants to know about books. And it's actually one of the reasons why I'm implementing it into my uh, mentorship program that I'm launching. And I already uh, have some people gathering for in uh, January. I'm going to be – it's like the next level of mentoring. I'm actually really, really excited about this. It's coaching to the next level. Everything you could think about to become the best coach, handle your clients, eliminate insecurity with your clients, build your business, brand. So much is going into it. Meetups twice a year with me in person. I'm, I'm super fired up about it. Guys, if you're a coach and you're listening and you want to get in on that before it goes public, just shoot me a message, shoot me an email because um, this is going to be one of the biggest things I launch. I'm really excited about it. But one of the things inside of there is going to be a monthly book club, which I'm going to provide for all my clients who are inside of that, which I'm super pumped to do. And we're going to go through uh, new books and old books that have changed my life. So, Ken, you're asking me what books have changed my life, what book it's hard for me to say what book changed the way I look at life. So actually, you know what? It's not hard to say because there's a lot of different books that I've learned so much from. But to say a book has changed the way I looked at life, you know, I, I want to say The Go-Giver, but I'm not going to choose that because I've said – I think it's funny because every time anybody asks me a question about books, that's always in my top three. And I've read it five times. I gifted it to every one of my employees. Like it's just so important to read that book. Um, but it, it definitely did change the way I look at life because it just taught me so much about the power of giving um, and really in a selfish way and how it's okay to be selfish. Like I, I enjoy Christmas, for example, because I like to give gifts. I don't give a shit what I get for Christmas. I don't need gifts. I love giving. Like the, the look on somebody's face when you give them something cool, so powerful. It's so empowering. It's so rewarding. Like I love that. So the go-giver definitely changed my life. But because I always use that answer and because I want to give you two, <laughs> I'm not going to say that one. The book that changed my life, you know, it's a, it's a toss-up between The Traveler's Gift and The Greatest Miracle in the World, I think it's called. The Greatest Miracle in the World, which were both gifts to me from a client named Ray and Mick, a couple named Ray and Mick Fitzgerald. I love those two. Um Really, really cool couple who I got really close with as clients and learned a lot from um, just because they're such a such a happy couple that have been together for so fucking long and lived their lives through so many different things. It's just sometimes it's important to – and I believe this wholeheartedly like no matter how old you are. Like I think it's important to meet people and hang out with people that are twice your age who have twice as much experience and who have done twice as many things. Um, and you are inspired by, I was inspired by their relationship and the success they've had in their marriage. They're twice as old as me and they've experienced twice as many things. And I spent, man, we used to do dinners all the time, wine nights and shit. And I loved hanging out with them. It was really powerful. So they gifted both of these books for me. The greatest miracle in the world in the world or the world has ever seen. Um, fuck, who is that author? You know what? I'm going to help you guys out right now. Yeah, I think it's yeah the greatest miracle in the world. I had to type this up on my computer. It's by O.G. Mandino. First of all, this dude has some great books. So this isn't his only book. Second of all, his name is O.G. That alone sold me. But the greatest miracle in the world is a book about 
this man who I mean he goes through struggles he uh is is searching for clarity he he basically it's it's hard to describe but basically he I mean he goes through this process uh of meeting this man who changes his life in the weirdest way and disappears and he has to go through these these insane things throughout his his life um it's it's so hard to explain, but it's a, it's an amazing story. And all my favorite books are actually stories. The Go Giver is a story. The Leader Who Had No Title is a story. The Alchemist is a story. They're all fictional stories, but they take you through a journey. And that's why, like, like I'm reading a book right now, building a story brand. It talks about this exact thing and how everything in life, like every great movie, every great business, everything has a story. Like I have a story of why I'm a coach. I have a story for every single client I've ever worked with. They have a personal story, and I invest in their story, and that's what makes their results fantastic. That's what makes my business different than so many others it's because I have a story of why I'm doing this. I went through these struggles that all of my clients go through. I have a journey through that process. Luke Skywalker has a journey through that process, right? The Hunger Games, I don't remember her name. She has a journey through that process. It all follows this story plot. Um, and the greatest miracle in the world is just that, but it's very realistic. It's not like Star Wars, like very, very realistic. So I would say the greatest miracle in the world. And then I would say, and it just changed the way I look at life because of the situation that this man went through was so unexpected. Um, and it's one of those things where like you really never know who you're talking to. You really never know who you're going to run into. You really, you can't, you never know who's watching you, right? You can't act a certain way in front of people and not act that way when people aren't around. Like be true to who you are. Be true to yourself. Be true to what you want others to do for you and do to you and say to you and feel to you and think to you and act towards you and so on and so forth. Um, very, very powerful book. The second one is The Traveler's Gift, another gift for them. This man um, go gets – I believe he gets in a car accident. It's been a while since I read it. He gets in a car accident and he's in a coma and basically he has like these dreams while he's in a coma and he goes through like a lot of religious figures uh, like meeting them in certain situations and uh, like he has this guardian angel and it's like it's like this crazy story about him going through these different parallels, learning these insanely important lessons that apply to why life is so priceless, why life is so important, why life is so short. Um, and why we need to appreciate it more and not take it for granted. And he goes through this process. And it's very, very powerful because it really does teach you a lot about how important living life is. So that was a long-winded answer for asking me what my favorite book is. But I got to go with two, The Traveler's Gift and The Greatest Miracle in the World. Probably the two that helped me look at life different. And if I had to do a third, it would obviously be The Go-Giver. And I apologize, guys. If you hear me sniffing, everybody in my household is sick right now. And I feel horrible for my poor little daughter. She is like miserable and it's so sad to see a nine-month-old like that her birthday is tomorrow actually actually shit her birthday is today while you guys are listening to this her birthday is today she is nine months old today the seventh and it's my dad's birthday i better remember to text him and speaking of which our next question comes from vincent jr i with a one so v one N-C-E-N-T-J-R. Go follow him. He doesn't post shit on Instagram. This is my brother. <laughs> so my brother, of course, he was just fucking with me. He doesn't actually care or listen to my podcast. That was a long pause because if he is listening, you should feel bad at this point. He asked me, what are you getting dad for his birthday? Laugh out loud. So he doesn't take this seriously, obviously. But, Vinny, what I got my dad for a birth- his birthday is a shirt that says, and Shannon picked this out, it says, uh, this grandpa is on par, I think. It's like a golf shirt, and it says on par. It's like a golf pun about a baby, because he's like grandpa now. Yeah, it's like a cheesy, cute gift. So we got him that. We got him a wine glass that keeps his white wine, because he drinks white wine while he's chilling on the golf course. He lives on a golf course now. Keeps his wine cool in the glass for nine fucking hours. It was the most expensive little tiny cup I've ever bought, but it was super cool. And he sips slow so he can just chill and drink that wine for a really long ass time. And then we'll probably get him a cool bottle of wine. So there you go, Vinny. Digital Barbell from Instagram is HBCD, so highly branched cyclic dextrin, worth the extra money over dextrin. 
I believe so, yes. And honestly, it's not that much more expensive. Like if you go to Amazon, you can get Glycofuse by Gaspari. You can get – and I'll link these in the show notes so you guys can get them. Um, or you can get True Nutrition's on there. Um, and then Muscle Feast is a brand that's not super popular, but I really like them because they're always rated highest in lab tests for purity. Um, and they're actually grass-fed with the whey and stuff like that. So either one of those brands, you're spending less than 40 bucks, like 20 to 40 bucks, and you're it's going to last you at least a couple months. So it's really not ex- much – more expensive than Dextrin, I don't think. But I, I do believe it's worth it. Um, it's just easier on the gut. Like basically the mo- molec- the molecular – it's hard for me to say that when I'm sick. Molecular weight reduces osmo, osmo- – oh my god. This is going to be a hard one, guys. <laughs> the increased molecular weight – I've read this so many times in my life, so I know what I'm trying to say – reduces osmo- osmolality – in solution. Basically, this speeds up the gastric emptying process inside of your intestines, which basically means you're going to digest, absorb, uh, and absorb this at a much more rapid pace compared to other types of glucose or other types of um, carbohydrates in general. So even if like you eat a meal, that's a very slow, sustained release of glucose into the bloodstream, even if you're eating something highly glycemic like white rice, uh, because there's still a process of trying to digest it. On top of that, nobody like goes to their post-workout meal and eats a cup of white rice without anything else, right? There's always some kind of protein with it, probably some fats, depending on what you cook in, depending on what you have on the side, depending on the meat or the protein source. Those two things, the protein and fats, on top of just having to digest the rice itself, are all going to slow down the digestion of that carbohydrate. Dextrin, obviously, is going to be way faster than a food source, uh, but highly branched cyclic dextrin, uh, because there's multiple types of carbohydrate that they're breaking down into this solution um, and it's quote-unquote highly branched this is going to speed up the process it's going to be a lot easier on your gut so even people with um, like who struggle with protein shakes or anything like that you're probably gonna have issues with uh, maltodextrin dextrose all these different uh, maxi ways these different carbohydrate drinks and they all work but highly branched cyclic dextrin is blowing up in the, in the supplement industry because of its structure because of the molecular structure and the way the, the molecular weight it reduces that uh, solution and it's actually going to speed up gastric emptying way faster. Just eat, which essentially just means it's easier on the gut. If we can aid the digestion, if we can aid the gastric process, we're going to absorb nutrients more efficiently. Not only faster, but more efficiently. And when we're trying to blunt the cortisol response, when we're trying to uh, replenish that glycogen right away after training, that's like the number one thing we're looking for. So. In my mind, yes, it is worth it. I think uh, I've had better results with that. I've had a lot of people who enjoy it, um, and I've just never, ever seen anybody who has issues consuming that, um, even if somebody has gut health issues or digestive issues. I've never seen anybody consume that. And then on top of that, they've done a lot of studies, usually on um, mice, obviously, but we can compare to those relatively well. Um, they did like swimming and running and stuff like that, and they see big advantages um, – in their performance because of that. So I think it's important. I think it's helpful for uh, just speed of recovery, really. Blunting the cortisol response uh, is the biggest thing. And then if you're fasting going into your training, it's always helpful because then you can uh, use it as like a pre-workout carbohydrates. Like if you ever like on Saturday mornings, I'll usually train in the morning and I usually like to wait for breakfast since I don't have a busy day. And I'll train fasted, but – well, not – it's technically not fasted, but I'll train with just – a one scoop of like 20 to 25 grams of whey and then like 30 to 40 grams of highly brain cyclic dextrin and the pump is nasty. So I love doing that. I think it's really, really helpful, especially because you're in a fasted state. That digestion is just quick. All right. So next question. This one actually got sent in to me from the Ask Boom Boom on my website. Olivia Danielson, do you ha- – I think she meant to write have. Do you have an app for time blocking or can you recommend one? No, I do not. I mean, technically I do have an app, I guess, because I have a Google Calendar app. Uh, but I just use Google Calendar. And I think that to me personally, and I don't know if this is because I'm not tech savvy, um, and this is exactly why, like my apologies to anybody who ever asked me for advice or asked me for uh, like what I use for the Instagram audio waves or what I use for my website design, stuff like that, because I outsource that shit. I don't know any of it. And I think that's an important lesson for any coaches out there. Spending hours and hours and days and days trying to do all that stuff is wasting your time when you could be doing what you do best, which is coaching. That's what I spend my time doing is coaching you guys through the podcast, coaching you guys through content, coaching my clients individually, 
That's what I spend my time doing. I don't bother using software and apps and all that stuff. I have other people do it for me. Google Calendar is the only exception. Google Calendar is super simple. I like it because I have specific time blocks, and this is where a lot of people go wrong. They set up time blocks for their week, and they do it once, and then the next week they forget to set their time block, and then something comes up, and yada, yada. My philosophy on this is if it's within your power, you should create your own 9 to 5. I mean, depending on who you are, mine's five to five. But the point is, is if I can repeat something, I get better and better and better at it. What's repeatable leads to success. And the reality is, is if you don't, like when I use Google calendars, we decide, like Tori helps me with my calendar to make sure that we're on the same page and she can, because she schedules things for me. We know when I'm doing my podcast. We know when I'm recording my podcast every single week. We know when I have email blocks. We know when I'm doing my programming. We know when I do my coaching calls with my mentor clients. We know these things. So we repeat them on the same day every single time. And what that does is that allows me to never guess what my time blocks are going to be this week. They're the same every single week. I know on Mondays I do this. I know on Tuesdays I do this. I know on Wednesdays I do this. And then I have blocks of time that are open. So on Sundays when we have new things coming up or when she has to schedule calls or interviews or things in advance, she knows that there's certain time blocks that are wide open that she can fill those gaps with. So there has to be elements of your time blocking that never change. You have to get into a routine. You have to build that nine to five, not only so you can repeat these things and get better at it and actually be ready because when you're prepared, you're successful, but also so you can stop fucking working. If you don't have an end to your time blocks or or your limit, you're going to work all night. You know, I just went to a mastermind and was in a room full of a lot of powerful people, a lot of great coaches. And if there was one, if if there's anybody from the mastermind listening right now, if there's one piece of advice I could give a lot of the people that were in that room, um, and, and I was there to learn. I wasn't there to teach. I wasn't there to preach. I wasn't there to try to do anything. Obviously, I had a lot of side conversations helping people out and them helping me out because I'm open to people's ideas but and help. But I think what I notice a lot of is that's the only thing I see with entrepreneurs where they where they fall off. And I think that's what I've done really well and something that I continually will implement into my mentorship program is making sure that you have limits on these time blocks. And I'm going to hold people accountable to that. And my fiance holds me accountable to that. If you don't have a cap at a certain time each night, you're going to work until bedtime or later. I remember the days of working till 8, 9, 10 p.m., sometimes midnight just because I didn't have an end. And there's always more shit to do. But for me, what I had to do is I had to set up a time. Like I will not work past this point. Jump on my phone and post an Instagram post at 7 p.m. because that's what I do every day. That's fine. It's not work because I, it's already done. I already have the picture. I already have the text. I just jump on, post it, and then get off, right? Answering a text from my media guy because he does a lot of our stuff at night, that's different. But like sitting on my phone and texting and answering questions and emails or jumping on my computer and programming, doing stuff late at night, that's something that I don't do because it will burn me out. And we can't, if we if you burn out you're not going to last like period in in anything you're trying to do so that's something very very important when considering time blocks is are you do you have an end to those do you have a timeline do you have a deadline you should have one every single day and then you should fit as many time blocks inside of that time frame so if you need to be done at 5 okay cool fit as many things as you can before 5 from when you wake up till 5 p.m. that you can fit in there some things need to be repeatable so you can continually do them like for me we have to put out podcasts every week. Well, we don't have to. We decide to. We decide to put out podcasts every week, blogs every week. I have to program every week. I have to answer emails every week. There's certain things that need to be repeated. So I put them in Google Calendar because I can put a repeating reminder on them, right? And then there's gaps where I can fill in the blanks. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't have an app. I think Google Calendar is the solution. I think it's the easiest way to do it. It doesn't complicate anything, and it's free, right? It's easy, and you can give other people access to it. So Tori has access to mine, so she can adjust, she can change things, so on and so forth. All right, I'm gonna butcher this one too. Sorry, no trondk, <laughs> n o t r o n d k, from Instagram says I have PCOS. What other things besides eating low carb slash keto slash macro tracking should I do? Um, so number one, I agree with you. Lower carb approaches usually do work best. I don't think you need to go keto by any means, but a lower carb, higher protein, higher fat approach 
usually works best with people who have PCOS simply because PCOS um, very frequently causes some form of insulin resistance and we want to build insulin sensitivity in you. Part of the process to becoming more insulin sensitive doesn't mean you need to eliminate carbs for the rest of your life, but it does mean that you need to lower carbohydrates in the temporary time period, possibly higher, be on a higher fat approach so that you can improve that insulin sensitivity. I would say you could supplement um, with some things that are going to improve hormonal health and insulin sensitivity. Things like omega-3s, you should probably be taking fish oil and you probably should be taking more than what most people do. You should probably be taking like 1.5 to 3 grams of EPA and DHA combined. So that's different, right? If you look at a fish oil that's 1,200 milligrams, that might be 1,200 milligrams of omega-3s, but how much combined EPA and DHA are actually in that? Because a lot of um, and you can test this. I had Evan DeMarco. If you haven't listened to that podcast with him, go check that out. That was amazing. And he talked about how you can test this. Put your fish oil in the freezer. If it gets super cloudy, I keep mine in the fridge and it just tells me. If it gets super cloudy, then it's probably not a good quality product because that means they're putting other things to fill it up, like other saturated fats to fill up the fish oil, not pure omega-3, EPA, DHA, which EPA and DHA are the key components of fish oil that we want that are going to help us with hormonal health, neurological health, uh, inflammation, which is the biggest one. Inflammation affects everything and it's going to promote insulin sensitivity. So taking some fish oil would probably be smart. Taking something like, if you're, I would test your blood glucose before you do these things, but if you want to, and it's not dangerous if you do, but if you want to really improve insulin sensitivity, taking something like a glucose disposal agent prior to eating carbohydrates or just taking them daily anyway are going to help. Like some glucose disposal agents will have Berberine, uh, chromium, ALA, uh, cinnamon extract, like a bunch of different things in it. And it's kind of like this complex supplement. The problem with most GDAs is that a lot of them are proprietary blends. And what happens is they don't have an abundance of the things that actually work. So when we get these, it might have a ton of cinnamon because cinnamon is very cheap. But cinnamon is the least affecting nutrient inside that GDA and has barely any berberine, for example, which berberine is the most powerful one. So you might want to actually go with a third-party tested supplement that is just pure berberine. I'll link one of those in the show notes as well from Amazon. And it's like basically it's it's a glucose disposal agent in and of itself and it's been tested to be just as high as metformin. Metformin is something that they give diabetic patients. So something like berberine might be a good supplement for you. So taking supplements that can help insulin sensitivity and hormonal health might be a good option. Um, depending on if you have high cortisol levels, estrogen imbalances, you could take something like ashwagandha or DIM. I'm not even going to try to pronounce what DIM stands for because it's so complicated, but things like that are going to help balance estrogen, um, balance your hormonal profile anyway, and that might lead to better results with PCOS. So there's some supplementation that you could possibly be doing. Um, and then last but not least is is actually going towards a more paleo-ish diet, right? A lot of times PCOS is, is a result as well from nutrient imbalances and poor nutrient quality food. So if you're eating a lot of processed food, not just carbohydrates, you might want to eliminate a lot of things. Um, there's a lot of people who see great results as long as they're not under eating by following a paleo diet. Paleo diet can typically lead to under eating in some people, but if you use a paleo-ish diet and you're eating really well, like lean meats, fish, steak, um, avocado, oils, nuts, produce, like staying away from processed carbs, staying away from processed sugars, alcohol, stuff like that. Usually you can see a pretty good um, result just from that elimination style. So you could go and practice a low-ish carb diet, like make sure your macros are set to not be under eating, but just favoring protein and fats. Because you have PCOS, I wouldn't go into a deficit yet. Um, you might have to go into a deficit to lower body fat and lose uh, or improve insulin sensitivity. The problem with that is, is if PCOS is really bad and other hormones are really bad, you might be kind of in a resistant, a weight loss resistant phase. And for that, what I would suggest is not going into a deficit, maybe a very small deficit or just maintenance calories, but being on a lower carb approach, being on a paleo-ish diet, pretty much eliminating everything and then slowly implementing things back if needed, but maybe spend 21 to 30 days in that paleo phase um, and then taking those supplements I, I recommended. If you don't see results in four weeks from that, I would be very, very surprised. Um, and if you don't, if you actually do that and you follow that for four weeks or you need more guidance on that, please shoot me an email, Cody at BoomBoomPerformance.com. I, I think we could truly help you with that because we've experienced, we've had so many clients with PCOS. Endless underscore alignment. What do you feel makes you such a different coach from every other? 
Ooh, great question. I feel that kind of going back to my story, I have a story, you know, um, I grew up a fat kid. I didn't really have motivation. Um, I was getting into bad things. I, uh, just partying and, and stuff like that. Um, I wasn't in a good position mentally. I think that I also just had no drive. I had no direction. I just didn't care. I, I was, I was just in a bad place. Um, and so I, I've kind of been at that low. And I think that's important for people, you know, like if, and this is nothing to say, like, if you haven't been at that low, you can't be a good coach. Or if you're genetically gifted, you can't be a good coach. But you know, I was at a low mentally, I was at a low physically, I was at a low financially, like there wasn't really much going for me. And I decided one day randomly, just from pure getting motivated from somebody else. Um, actually, I got motivated through embarrassment. You know, I was, I was tired of being embarrassed of being overweight. I just made a change and I started taking away things one habit at a time and I binged on the weekends and I tried fad diets and I screwed up and I had bad relationships and I did the wrong things and got injured and you know I did everything possible that you could do to make the the mistakes inside of fitness and nutrition. I've been there with fad diets, with crash dieting, with doing a bodybuilding show and then binging my way to being at a heavier weight than when I started. Um, I, I've just been through everything and I think that's really important because I can relate to people. So when people come to coaching with me, 95% of the time, I can relate to what they're going through in some way, shape or form, at least 95% of the time. And if I don't, then I can at least have the empathy because I've experienced many clients who have gone through shit that I couldn't even imagine. PTSD, extreme, extreme obesity, disease, things like that. I can relate to you through my other clients that I've experienced with. So that right there to me is, is a very, very important thing. Like I do this because I went through it and I do this because I love helping others get through their struggles like I got through mine through training and nutrition. That's like what changed my life. So I think that's the biggest thing for sure. Um, and then, you know, like I, I think one of the most important things that I do really well and that helps my business grow. Um, and when I say business grow, what I mean by that is my reach is growing. I'm reaching more people around the world. We're coaching more people around the world. We're bringing people on the team to help us coach more people. Um, there's a reason why I have two coaches under me now, and we're going to probably end up looking for a third eventually, sooner rather than later. There's a reason why I have people mentoring with me and why I'm building a next-level mentorship program in January. There's a reason why I have the Boom Boom Elite, which is a membership site, 100% geared towards educating people properly inside their training so they can stop getting injured, stop getting bored and program hopping, and finally get results. There's a reason for all these things, and it's, it's because I educate people. I believe in education. I believe in helping people. And I think that a lot of people sell a product, they sell a service, they sell a quick result, or just a result in general. I sell education because I know that education is going to lead into consistency going to lead to adherence and it's going to lead to a sustainability which those three things are going to lead to results I, I posted a transformation last week a client reached out to me she hasn't been coaching with me for months but she's still seeing results because I taught her what I taught her in three months we worked together for only three months that's unfortunately it was like three or four months that's all that we could work together with um, and I believe we're going to get back together and start up she had some things going on but I spent that three months helping her lose weight and she did lose weight but she still had more to go. But because I taught her how we were doing it, she is like 20 more pounds down or something like that when she reached back out to me. Like that's crazy. But it's because I taught people. So what separates me from other coaches is because I have the story. I can relate to you. And most importantly, I'm going to educate you. And I educate all my clients. And I help people. So through education, my business grows. My coaching grows. My reach grows. And we help more people. And people get great results with us. I've never had a bad review because we help people and we generally care. So I think that's the biggest thing that separates me. And if there's any coaches listening that want to level up, I think the best thing that you can do is, is truly prioritize educating your clients. And as much as that's non-salesy or non-business related, the more you can educate your clients, the better you will be, the better your clients' results will be, the better your business will be. I promise you that. Samuel Lee, 93. Do you set any max goals for your major lifts? Um, I used to all the time. I don't anymore, to be honest with you. And I think there's times and places to go through this. So I'll go through a couple scenarios. Like, you know, a few years back, I always had goals, right? Like I had usually a trap bar deadlift goal because 
uh, a back squat goal or a conventional or sumo deadlift goal for a one rep max usually smashed my low back um, just from overload because um, I had some low back issues in the past and it just kind of re-aggravates it. But I would set like front squat goals, um, trap bar deadlift one to three rep max because it's a little bit safer, um, bench press goals, uh, weighted chin-up goals, overhead press goals all the time. And I think it's important for people to do uh, – 50, I, th- I think it's like a 50-50 thing. 50% of the people listening to this definitely should be setting those goals because if you can lift more weight, you're going to build muscle, you're going to put more fat, you're going to have better energy, you're going to have better health, you're going to improve results, so on and so forth. It's the most like solidified metric that we can measure inside the gym, right? And I think it's important. Now, I don't think you should do it very often. Some people even max out once a month, and I even think that's too frequently because it just smashes your nervous system for one. Number two, one month isn't enough time. After like your, your newbie year, it's not enough time to see significant gains. So you should be tr- – like inside the membership site, the elite, I, I have a, a testing protocol for people, and we're testing it every 8 to 12 eight to 16 weeks, really, every two to four months. Um, and that depends on your experience. The more experience you are, the less frequently you should uh, measure that. So I used to, and I used to set goals for them, right? So I remember like a goal for a long time, I wanted to three, uh, front squat 315. Like that was so bad. Three plates to front squat as a 165 to 170 pound individual, that was a monster lift. So for me, that was my goal. Um, and I did things to chase that, right? And then every four to 16 weeks, I would test it. And I hit that and I was pumped about it. But right now in my life, um, you know, I run a, a pretty busy entrepreneurial lifestyle. Like I'm pretty busy and I love every minute of it, but it's nonstop for me. Um, I have a daughter who is learning how to move and talk and she is nonstop as well. Um, I have a wife that needs my attention. I have clients. I have a team. I have my personal training goals. Like I have a lot of things going on. And because of that, you know, like I don't recover as fast as I used to. Um, I don't have as much sleep as I used to. I don't have as low of stress as I used to. So for me to max out too frequently, not only is it unsafe, so I'm pushing like the 16 to 24 week time period where I would max. Um, and then number two, my lifestyle is a little bit hectic to be maxing out too frequently. And number three, I just don't have the same goals. Like does maxing out really promote the goals that I'm chasing. So for me right now, it's much more about health. Um, I want to feel good from my joints to my digestion to my, my, and I, I'm pretty aware of my body. I can tell when I have brain fog. So for me, like I want good clarity. I want good joint health. I want good things like that. Um, maxing out for one to three reps isn't going to help promote that. Um, I want to stay lean, like my goal is, is more of like just main, like gain taining. Like I want to slowly build muscle, I guess, but I really just want to stay lean. I enjoy having, um, a somewhat visible six pack, you know, like a healthy set of abs. Like I enjoy being a little vascular. Like those things are important to me. Um, repping out for one, maxing out for one to three reps, isn't going to promote that for me. It's not really going to help. I can do without that, uh, lower my injury risk, lower my nervous system burnout risk, and still continue to chase those goals. And then number three, I want to build muscle. Like any guy, like I would like to be bigger. Um, will that contribute to it? Yes, I think it could because it'll increase my strength. But because the injury risk is higher because of my stress and all those things, I probably shouldn't do that. So for me, it's more about AMRAPs, right? So for me, it would be like every, and this is good. Like I think this is more applicable to hypertrophy anyway. Um, for me, it's throw 225 on the bar. And how many times can I squat it full range of motion with good form, like how, what's my AMRAP, you know, like, so let's test that, um, for like my rower, like, okay, a 20 minute rower, what's my average row time, what's, uh, my assault bike, like, uh, there's the 10 minute calorie challenge or five minute calorie challenge, either one of them is horrible, but how many calories can I burn in that five to 10 minute period, which means I have to improve my energy systems, I have to improve cardiovascular health, I have to improve my pacing strategy for oxygen consumption and just lactic acid and buffering and and really focus on pacing myself so I don't burn out. Um, And then like little things like for me, I have my dumbbells in the garage go from zero to 60. And then I have an 80. And then I have a hundreds. So for me, it's like, okay, if I take those 60s, how many times with great form, full range of motion, can I do a seated military press? For those 80s, how many reps can I do on a flat or inclined bench press? Same thing with the 100s. How many times? So if I can bench press the 100s for, let's say we're doing three sets and it's like 
nine, eight, six. Okay, next week, next four week block, can I get nine, nine, eight, or even nine, nine, seven? Because that average total of volume throughout those three sets is higher. Maybe eventually I can get like 10, 10, 10. Like those little goals, um, they're not going to burn me out as much because they're higher rep goals. And I do think they contribute more towards hypertrophy. So that's kind of how I look at max goals like now with my lifestyle. You know, I'm not I'm, – I'm only 26, so I'm not old by any means. But I, you know, like on the data edge, he said you're 26 going on 50. And I thought that was funny because the music I listen to, like my favorite show is Seinfeld. <laughs> like I uh, – my lifestyle, you know, it's busy. I have a family. I have a full-time business. Like those things wear and tear on my body and it's not smart for me to max out. And instead of me having an ego and trying to push that, I'm going to choose to do max – AMRAPs and things that are going to promote health and promote the goals that I have. Strength by James. Tips on how to get someone to eat more when they have no appetite. Um, find easier digestible foods. You know, like if somebody's eating a lot of uh, paleo style foods, they're eating a ton of like fiber dense vegetables like broccoli and cauliflower and green beans and then they're eating like sweet potatoes for their carbohydrate source or oats things like that that are high fiber that fill you up quite a bit like when you eat those things you get pretty damn full i would switch them to eating more like spinach or kale like sauteed in coconut oil with white rice and uh lean beef like like really lean ground beef or like cut up lean steak right so now the steak has more calories than chicken, but from a volume standpoint, it might be the exact same size. The The spinach has the same micronutrients that we need, if not better ones, but we can eat a bigger bunch of it and we can easier digest it. It's not as much fiber to kind of – it's less food volume essentially, um, less calories. You can eat more of it. It's easier to, to digest. You're still getting the micronutrients, but it's not filling you up for a low calorie limit because like broccoli, you can eat a ton for low calories. And then white rice, you can get the same amount of carbs from white rice that – uh, yams have, but yams and sweet potatoes typically are more satiating, more filling. They kind of leave you more bloated. White rice is easily digestible, fast absorbing. Um, it's going to create a little bit different of an insulin response, which might leave you to actually be hungrier again in a couple hours. So this is one of time like when you're not in a deficit and you don't need to eat as much food, like you might want to go this route because it's going to help you eat more food. So things like that, man, look at the type of food you're eating. Like do you, are you eating super high volume and it's causing you to skip full super quick? Um, are there any foods that you're eating that you could possibly switch up and have more caloric density to them? Again, like instead of picking chicken, pick steak. Instead of picking cod, pick salmon, like things like that. Instead of doing egg whites, do whole eggs. Are you cooking in oil? Because oil is going to be calories and it's going to add things to it. So little switches like that, I think people just need to um, kind of micromanage their food and go a little bit deeper into that process to really be able to do it. All right, last question. Deal Chur 80. How do you suggest navigating an injury and all of the mindset issues and limiting factors that come with it? So because I don't know your injury, I'm not going to navigate you on training because if you have a shoulder injury, I'm probably going to recommend that you go through like a leg dominant specialization phase. You do way less pressing. You do more rowing, so on and so forth. If you have a hip issue, I'm going to prioritize probably like less hip flexion based movements. So less squats, less lunges, more RDLs where you have less uh, – more high hip positions to build the hamstrings and glutes. Some machines, to be honest with you, more extension-based drills so you can lock out versus flex, um, isolation holds, and then a lot of upper body. Like there's different ways to navigate depending on the injury. But from a mental standpoint, it goes back to like the first question we asked, like what other metrics are you tracking? Like let's focus on those things. Like, you know, I have a client right now who's going through an injury and we're still training, but she's used to training hard, training intense. So right now we're focusing on form. Can we slow the movements down? Can we add pauses? How long can, does it take to squat down, right? Can we do different variations? Can we switch up training more frequently, make things more interesting? Can we lower training volume and still maintain our results instead of trying to progress constantly? Sometimes it's better to maintain, but then also prioritize different modalities of improvement. Like I said, form, mobility, things like that. Um, and then prioritizing those other biofeedback markers. How is your sleep, stress, mood, nutrition, cravings, hunger, performance, recovery, sex drive. Maybe there's something else you can educate yourself on and focus on, right? I think everybody stays in the mode of improving either aesthetics or performance, but like we talk about this triangle of awareness, right? There's three goals, health and longevity, aesthetics, and performance. Those goals to a certain extent are conflicting, right? We can't 
constantly chase aesthetics and expect peak health. We can't chase peak health and expect aesthetics or performance. So we either need to prioritize them and periodize them or we need to balance them evenly. The problem with balancing them evenly is that you're not going to be great in any one thing. You're going to be jack of all trades, which is fine for some people. You know, like I prioritize a pretty good balance, um, but I favor aesthetics in health more than performance because I want to look good more than I want to bench 500 pounds. Like I don't really care about that as much. Right. So I think you need to prioritize two things and then you need to periodize those things. So if there's certain periods of time where you need to prioritize health, you need to stop focusing on aesthetics and you need to focus on health or you need to stop focusing on performance. If that's your goal, you need to focus on health, repair your body, repair your sleep, repair your metabolism, repair your hormones, repair your nervous system, repair these things. And if you can kind of focus on those things, your mindset shifts from you're not improving to you actually are improving. You're just improving with different things maintain the old goal, improve the new goal. And I think that will help you a lot in the long run. And then if we're going to like go into mindset drills, it's just a matter of like positive focus, meditation, all the things I always talk about with my mentorship and on the podcast and shit like that. Like you need to be doing those self affirmations, those morning routines, those time blocking, those, those, uh, periods of times where you're spending and focusing on you so you can relax, you can recover, you can have fun, things like that, like the typical mindset stuff. Um, but otherwise, I think it's just a priority shift inside of your goals and in the inside the essentially the triangle of awareness. All right, guys, that is a wrap. I hope you enjoyed the show today. A couple quick announcements before I let you go. First and foremost, I just want to encourage you to check out the products I have in the description. First one is the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is a very cheap guide to literally mastering your diet. That's why it's called the all-inclusive guide to mastering your diet. It's going to teach you exactly what and how to manage your calories, your macros, your meal timing, your supplements, your micronutrients, literally everything you need to know about dieting and nutrition and how to change your body composition through nutrition is included in this book, not just to get your results, but to actually teach you how to get those results along the way. The next thing is going to be functional muscle, which is my first and right now my biggest product out there. This is the program that is based on years and years and years of functional training with tons of clients. So whether your goal is strength, fat loss, or muscle gain, you should be strength training towards these goals while prioritizing functional movement patterns to make sure that you are avoiding any injuries along the way. That's exactly what this program does, and it's great because it guides you through the process, it changes throughout the process, and it gives you demonstrations and explanations about everything you're doing so you never get confused and you always have a solution. You also get access into the Boom Boom Performance Podcast Forum. That is the only way into the forum, and that's where you can ask me literally anything about anything, and I will help guide you through the process. Last thing I want to mention, guys, is if you could leave me a five-star rating and review, that would be fantastic because it literally is one of the biggest and best ways for me to grow in the iTunes charts. Oh, yeah, and real quick, if you're not subscribed, hit the damn subscribe button because I constantly bust out content for you guys, and I spent a lot of time and effort making sure that you guys can get better results for free by simply listening to this podcast. All right, guys, I'll catch you next time.